ahead. Please go ahead. Do do the the intro. Wait, I was supposed to film that. What? What are you talking about? I'm turning that paper. <laughs> Wait, I was supposed to return that in. Wait, return it in. Okay, we're failing. Wait, I was supposed to turn it in. <laughs> this is a failure. This this. <laughs> the intro has been an abject failure, and we're going to move forward. <laughs> That's the intro. Hey, Trinisha. Hey, Brianna. <laughs> How's it going? Girl, I'm eating this gyro. It's so good. <laughs> Every time we That's get on here, you're eating. <laughs> Dang, you right, my bad. You just make me hungry. I don't know. <laughs> I like. I feel like I, we always record around your breakfast time or something because literally every, like it's a pattern now. Every single time you're eating. I feel I'm bad. Stop. Like I'm no, I feel bad. Like I'm interrupting your breakfast. <laughs> I'm gonna something right now. Nothing stops me from eating. <laughs> Anybody that knows me knows that. <laughs> Listen, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So what's new with you? Well, um, you know, I've been interviewing for this other job. Uh, you know, because I want to get back more into what I love. And yes, I still have my, my business going, but I also need some sort of stability as well. So that's what I'm waiting to hear back on. Um, my hair is thriving and thick and luscious and curly. I love that for me. I just bought Rihanna's Fenty skincare bundle, and I've been using that for the past week. My skin feels amazing. Rihanna, put me on as an ambassador, please. And um, yeah, I've been doing great. How about you? <laughs> Good. You know, I can't wait to try her skincare line. There's like, honestly, I've been paying a lot more attention to my skin as of late. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I've been dying to try some of the Fenty skincare products because like my skin has a lot going on that I'm not too pleased about. So, but interesting. So for me though, nothing really major. It's been a quiet week. Um, Friday, oh, Friday was Good Friday because today's Easter. Um, and so I had a day off. It was a short week. So a little bit of rest, but not too much. I feel like my life is hectic. There's always something for me to be doing. So, but nothing new. So let's jump into a little bit of a news roundup. Let's talk about what's going on in the world. So I want to start with the George Floyd, uh, Derek Chauvin murder trial. And I was like, I, I was really slow saying that because I shouldn't have even like said the George Floyd, cause like we need to reframe how we're talking about this. Yeah. The, Derek, the murderous cop, Derek Chauvin's murder trial. There we go. That's correct. And yeah. And you said you've been watching. Like, what what have your thoughts been? 
Yeah, I've been watching the testimonies. Um, I've been watching like different news reporters recap and like watching like how the uh, the difference, just the difference in the way the prosecution and the defense question the witnesses Um, with the prosecution. It seems like they're just kind of pulling out information like so this is your experience. This is what happened. This is what you saw. Right. Whereas with the defense, it's almost like they're looking for a gotcha moment. You know, like they're looking yeah. for something to trip up the witnesses to be like, oh, so maybe it was this and you were mistaken. Like the way they questioned that uh, veteran homicide detective. I thought that was kind of disrespectful because they're making it seem like it was kind of ageist as well, because they're seeing like, oh, you know, you're kind of old and you've been out the game for a minute. So maybe things have changed. And it's like murder doesn't change. Not really. <laughs> You know, the way your body reacts to things doesn't change. It's not like suddenly humans just evolved over the past 20 years. So I thought that was kind of ageist. Um, And it really seems like they're trying to make the case that George Floyd, you know, like he was going to die regardless kind of because of his drug addiction. But really, his drug addiction is indicative of the opioid crisis that's going on in America, where a lot of the doctors over the past couple of decades have been prescribing these dangerous narcotic medications to people as a part of their you know pain management. And because they can't afford any alternative forms of therapy in order to deal with this, that's all they have. And then they become addicted because they're highly addictive medicines. And there's not a lot of there's not a lot of resources for people to like kind of move on from that or to help them deal with that pain management. And that's really what the problem was. But they're trying to make it seem like he was just another drug addict when he wasn't, you know. And I think I think I've been seeing something really important. And I think, you know, your little recap talks to that is that George Floyd is not on trial. Um, Mm -hmm. He didn't get a trial because you murdered him. So, like. Mm It doesn't matter what he did, didn't do, was, wasn't. It, it really is completely irrelevant to the fact that you murdered this man in the street. And yeah. I feel like that we don't have to get on a, a, a train of trying to defend his humanity or, you know, humanize him because that's just it. He was human, period. You know what I mean? We don't. I mean, but they do this for all of us every mm-hmm. time we're murdered. Every single time they bring up our past. Oh, well, they did this in the past. It's like if I jaywalked one time, does that make it okay that you murdered me? You know, they did that for Breonna Taylor talking about her boyfriend's shady past or connection, even though it really wasn't him. It was like her ex or something like that. And then they uh, did that with, um, damn, I Michael, what's his name? Michael Brown. Yeah. Talking about. Yeah. Yeah. They did that with him about how he had, you know, I don't know, he had some petty theft in his past at one point as a teenager. That's nothing. That's nothing and it's not deserving of being murdered. And they always do this. But yeah, I just, you know, I've been watching it and I think it's interesting. So Cher had posted this tweet and um, the tweet essentially said something and like there was a little bit like of a backlash. Um, Essentially, she said that like her mom was watching it and they were talking about it, the trial. And she said, oh, um, you know, I just can't help but think, what if I was there? Maybe there would have been a different outcome. So I'm, you know, paraphrasing, but essentially she said something like that. And like people came for her as the way that they do on the internet. And so (laughs) we talked about this a little offline, but I wanted to know like your thoughts, like were people wrong? Like was she wrong? Were Were people wrong for coming for her? I think it's admirable that she felt like she could have stopped something horrible from happening. But I also think it's foolish to just assume that her presence would have changed the outcome 
when clearly the presence of other people, such as someone who was a trained MMA fighter, who's a professional, who knows what he's talking about and know what he saw, or the fact that there was a firefighter slash EMT there as well that was also pointing out the health danger, your presence clearly would not stop the situation if their presence couldn't. And they're actually trained professionals that knew what they were seeing. So I think it's admirable that's what you thought, but I also think it's naive to think that you would have been able to influence the outcome in that way. I agree. I think I I see a lot of people kind of standing up for her and saying, you know, like she's an ally. And I I always find it interesting. I mean, the Internet's a weird place, right? Because I always find it interesting how, you know, we are very critical of people. And I do get that. I I, I understand both sides of it, because on one hand, people are saying we need to stop scaring our allies off. Like, yes, it may not have been the it may have been a little clumsy, what she said, but it wasn't ill-intentioned you know she didn't mean any bad harm by it and so we need to stop being so like aggressive and attacking people who are clearly in our corner and I guess you know her her past track record has shown that but then on the other hand I'm like why do we constantly have to like handle with care white people you know what I mean yeah I mean she's giving us some very white savior vibes but and that's yeah. what people were saying. That's exactly what people were saying. Like, girl, like we do not like this is unnecessary. It isn't helpful. You know, I, I get you were trying to say something positive, but it just sometimes you can just be quiet, you know. But I get it. I do I do get that. On the other hand, some white people may feel like, okay, I don't know what to do because everything I do seems to be wrong. <laughs> but I also feel like it's not like is it our responsibility to like to manage your your feelings on these issues when we're already dealing with so much emotional trauma from having to literally witness people be murdered time and time again with no justice. I don't know. Obviously. No, it's not our responsibility. No, it's not our responsibility. And also, this is just one last added thing. When you do things like that, you suddenly shift the conversation to you and you kind of make it about you. And you put this idea out there that somehow your presence, that just your existence was so life changing that you would have that you you one person would have been able to stop this. You know, it takes the focus away from the fact that this person murdered another person because of racism. Now it's suddenly, well, if Cher was there, you know, if Cher was there, she would have stopped it. No, she wouldn't have. (laughs) That's not what would have happened. Let's stop pretending we want our allies to be there. But there's a there's a time and a place. There's a time and a place to say things and there's a time and a place to do things. And that was neither the time nor the place. I think that's fair. So I think that's incredibly fair. So another thing I saw that made me incredibly sad this week, I feel like we're starting with so much bad news. I hate that, but it just, it is what it is. Um, Another thing that made me incredibly, well, two more things made me incredibly sad. One, I see that DMX is in the hospital fighting for his life. Um, That makes me really sad. And then um, the Georgia voting bill has been getting a lot of attention because it's horrendous. And I feel like, you know, both of those things have really like frustrated me this week. One, DMX, you know, he has been dealing with um, substance abuse issues for a very long time. And I think I just like, I made the mistake of reading the comment section in the, the NPR story about it and just the lack of empathy. And I think it also talks about the difference to weigh, you know, in the way that like sort of drug addict or, you know, addiction is talked about within when it's a white person versus when it's a black person. 
because I feel like there's now all the sympathy in the world for victims of the opioid crisis and people who are, you know, dealing with addiction now. But even still, when it's a a, a black person like that, that sympathy is, is now completely missing. I don't know if you noticed that difference, too. No, I definitely notice it because it's always like you brought this on yourself. You know, yeah. they always make it seem like, oh, this is your fault. And it's like, can you have some empathy? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I really, I pray that he can pull through and that maybe this will be, you know, the start of, you know, listen, I, you know, I am a believer. I believe God can work miracles and maybe, maybe this, this will be his miracle, you know what I mean? And he'll be able to start his life anew, you know, and kick, kick his addiction and his habits and, you know, go on to do something positive. Um, but, you know, my thoughts and prayers are definitely with him because that's really sad. I mean, he he is a strong believer. I know that because I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, he started doing gospel music. First of all, DMX doing gospel music. You have to listen, Brianna. <laughs> <laughs> like, even like in spite of his addiction, like he has always been very steadfast vocally in his, about his faith. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really hope that you know that that it all works out for him. I'm, I'm thinking about him now. On to this Georgia voting bill law. I'm so frustrated <laughs> because it's horrendous. They are li- so essentially this last election. Um, the Democrats, Georgia, all eyes were on Georgia because Georgia really just came through in clutch, right? Came in clutch. They mobilized in amazing numbers. You know, that's why Stacey Abrams is getting so much praise because she really worked to help fight voter suppression, to help get people who should have already been voting into the conversation, you know, but by helping to remove some of those barriers. And so all eyes have been on Georgia for quite a while now. And in response to them being big, big losers, them being Republicans in the last election cycle, they have now responded by passing this bill. Brian Governor Kemp signed this bill, severely restricting people's access to voting. And when you think about it, you know, when you read in between the lines, you realize that a lot of these penalties or a lot of these things that they put in place are going to disproportionately affect people of color and black people. And so now they are getting some backlash, some public backlash from corporations like Delta, who's headquartered in Georgia, I believe has spoken out. Um, The MLB moves one of their games away from Atlanta in response. The All-Star game, that would have brought a lot of money uh, to Georgia. That would have brought a lot of money. Exactly. And so now people are speaking out. And I think this is interesting. I think for a while now, corporations have realized that they have to they have to play. They have to play play in this role. You know what I mean? That they can't separate their their status as a corporation from the things that are happening in the society in which they operate. And I've, I've been fascinated to kind of see this evolve. And I think this is a new one, though. I've yet to see this is my first time seeing corporations speak up and say, hey, I don't like this law. So that's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. That's true. So let's talk about a couple things that are in the bill. Oh, no, you go ahead. Oh, sorry. I don't know if you remember, but the state uh, representative, I can't remember her name. I wish I could. She was trying to be there while the governor was signing the bill into a Yes. And then he had her arrested. First, he locked the door so that she couldn't get in. And she was knocking the door like, hey, let me in. I want to be there to like see the signing of the bill as well. You know, 
and they wouldn't let her in. And they had the police officers arrest her. I saw the clip that her friends had took on their phone. And like, she was just, she wasn't even being like aggressive or anything. She's just like, hey, like, you know, let me in. And they removed her. And her friends were like, why are you arresting her? Why are you arresting her? And the police officers are just stone faced. They say nothing. And then later on, you see that the governor and his um, aides, you know, released statements saying, Oh, she was kicking the officers and she was retaliating. She wasn't doing any of that, Brianna. She was just reacting like a normal person. She wasn't doing anything super wild or aggressive. And I feel like that just lets you know how racist this is, especially when you see that the people who were allowed in there were all old white men. I mean, I just think that's crazy. Her name is Perk Cannon. She's a member of the Georgia House of Representatives. I had to go look it up where you're talking because I knew exactly who you were talking about, but I didn't know her name. So Perk Cannon. Yeah. And she was arrested. And it was it's absolutely bonkers. I think that for so long, these little actions, these you know, legislatively or like, you know, her getting arrested, these types of actions, they were symbolic, but they were more. I think before it was harder to call a spade a spade and say, hey, this is happening because of racism. And one thing I appreciate about now is that like people are less afraid to be like, oh, hey, guess what? This is racism. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can, yeah. you can, you can dress it up as like a, a, a present or something, but it's really just a pile of shit. You know what I mean? And I, I'm, I'm really like, I'm really grateful that we're in this space where we we're not, we're no longer allowing people to gaslight us <laughs> into thinking things aren't racist. Like when we know damn well that they are. Honestly, I'm so happy that people are calling out. And it's so funny how they're getting offended. Uh, the Republican, le- Republican leaders in Georgia are getting offended because they're like, you know, we just think it's so offensive that people are calling it the new Jim Crow. It is. That's exactly <laughs> what, do you, what it is. Why are you mad? If I see you do something wrong and I say, hey, you're doing something wrong, you can't get mad at me because I caught you doing what you're doing. You ain't slick. We right. see it. And that's mm. that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Mary had a little lamb. Exactly. Period. Exactly. Um, okay, so let's get into what we are going to talk about today. We are going to talk about something a lot less heavy, a lot more inform. Well, not informative because that was informative, but a lot more fun. We're going to talk about apartment hunting. Yeah, I think on the last episode, we talked a little bit, we were talking about finances and we talked a little bit about like when we moved out because that was like, you know, when we got our first apartment, because that was really when we had the oh shit moment of, okay, wait, I'm in charge of things now. I have to like figure out how to manage my money. So the listeners, if they heard that episode, they know a little bit of how we, you know, ended up in our first apartment. But I wanted to like dig deep, you know, because one thing um, living in Boston has taught me, and I lived in Boston um, for a year, is that we have it pretty darn good in Florida when it comes to apartment hunting. And I know you're probably like, wait, what? But no, trust me, it's true. So I've had like the privilege of living in a bunch of different states. And like Boston is a completely different animal. Like I've never seen anything like it. Can I give you an example? Yeah. So typically when you move into an apartment in Boston, you are required to put down, you know, some like security deposits, things like that. That's pretty common, but they take it to another level here. When we moved into our apartment in boss like right outside of Cambridge and Belmont we um had to pay a security deposit 
we had to pay first month, last month, we had to pay, I believe, a key change fee. Or no, no, Wait. no, we didn't have to pay a key change fee, but I've seen plenty of apartments that require that. And we had to pay a realtor fee. So you have to pay the realtor that the, the homeowner is using to run out the place. So you have to pay two months rent before you move in? Yes. That, I've only ever seen that happen. The only time I've seen that happen in Florida is when is when it's an international student and they're from studying abroad. That's the only time I've ever seen that happen in Florida. That's so crazy. And here's the thing. This isn't like, that isn't like some weird precaution where if you don't have enough credit or your credit is great, they're like, okay, well, we're going to need a little bit more because we're not sure we can trust you. No, like this is like common practice. Like this is like commonplace. Like I have excellent credit. I have, uh, you know, great, great income. So it wasn't like, mm, I'm not sure you can afford this. So I need a little extra. Like, no, that's just the norm. Like that's how it is here. Now, compared huh. to Florida, you know, the experience is so much different. Like it's yeah. it's night and day. Like tell the listeners about it. Oh, yeah. So in Florida, first of all, finding apartments, finding good apartments at a good price is trashy. Um, zero out of 10 recommendations. Just because the prices that they're charging, I personally don't think they're worth it, to be honest with you. I also don't think that the service is worth it, but I do see that they can be a, a way more reasonable in pricing compared to like other places. Um, you only have to pay your security deposit, sometimes not even a full security deposit. I've been in an apartment where I only paid for like a security bond and it was like $100 and that was it. Yeah, whereas today I moved into apartments for like two fifty. Yeah, yeah, two fifty be sometimes, but sometimes unless you do a security bond instead, it's just non refundable. So when you move out, you don't get it back. Um, and you honestly, it's just like an interview process with like you know the leasing office. You go in the lease office, say, hey, I want an apartment. They take you on a tour. They show you the different apartment layouts, the pricing. Okay, then you bring them your pay stubs from the past two months. Okay, you know, they go over that, they approve you, they do your credit check, and then they say, okay, you've gotten in this apartment. And you don't really have to have a lot of credit history. You don't have to have um, that much money to really get approved into an apartment, to be honest with you. If you're making like at least 14, 15 an hour, you can find an apartment, no problem. Um, and then all you have to pay is like your first month's rent, that security deposit, that's it, you move in. There's no key change fee, none of that. And you get to yell at the leasing office as much as you want. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, the process is so, to me, it really is just simple. Like you can literally find an apartment, like you you decide today, tomorrow I'm going to look at apartments and I want a new apartment tomorrow. You can like look online, find find five apartment complexes that you like, make an appointment to see them all tomorrow, fill out the application, submit your things and literally have an apartment by tomorrow. Yeah. It is so po- uh, so much easier and like in Boston like it's it's nothing like that and and it took me leaving and getting an apartment somewhere else to appreciate what you have to go through to get an apartment here. Like it's like no less than you're not moving anywhere for no less than $5,000. Like unless you're doing like a roommate situation, you know what I mean? Like that might be a little bit yeah. different but if you're like trying to move like into your own apartment, oh no, forget it. <laughs> no less than $5,000. 
For your own, yeah, no, my own apartment, I think I stayed where I was at because I didn't want to pay another like security bond or security deposit. I think I paid maybe like, because then, oh yeah, there's the application fee. So I paid maybe like less than $300 to get started, to just move in. And like, it was pretty quick. Um, And then I guess the difference with Boston and, um, you know, like all of Florida is that there's a million and one apartment complexes here. So Um, actually, I think there's a housing crisis because of it, but there's like so many apartment complexes. It's like nothing. You don't like one apartment, go across the street to the other one. Like they're all next to each other. They're just down the street. No big deal. So, okay. So let me get your thoughts on something with, especially in these areas where you have a lot of apartment complexes one downside is that they're they're all corporate run so they're very very strict so for example if you come into it in a situation where maybe you don't have the best credit or maybe um because a lot of them they have income requirements so like your income has to be three times the rent or yeah two and a half times two and a half times times. so and i've seen both i've seen some places do two and a half some places do three so if you're coming in it from a situation where you don't have those qualifications they're less likely to work with you because they're corporate there is not that human element of okay well maybe if you do this i can't work with you or maybe you do that can work with you it's like you don't meet the requirements Sorry, that's best luck to you. Have a nice day. You know what I mean? But I, see, that's the oh, that's another thing though, is that they based it off your last two pay stubs. So if you work overtime, <laughs> if you work overtime for two months, you could get approved into an apartment. That's true, but not everyone has that option. So let's say you're coming from a space where where either your credit doesn't you know, it doesn't hold up or you work and let's say you don't make two and a half times the rent. Like, what do you do? Do you just be homeless? Like, do you live in a park? Uh, they have, they do have a lot of low income um, housing apartments, actually, you know, the, the ones with like the fixed rent and they're not that bad to look at. I, I tried to get into one, but I made too much. I was so mad. Listen, that's another thing coming. So I was born in New Jersey. I lived in Newark for, uh, I lived in the East Orange area for most of my life. And (laughs) it's, you know, it's it's a little hoodish. And so when I moved to Florida and I saw what their low income housing looked like, I'm not going to lie. I was blown away. I was like, this is the low, this is the quote unquote project. Yeah, girl. So no, looking nice sometimes. But I think that I will admit and say that there are situations where for whatever reason you can't qualify for low income housing or it's not available to you. And at the same time, you can afford the two and a half times the rent to qualify for an apartment. And so then your your only options are to try and find maybe a private owner, you know, somebody who isn't yeah. and see if they're willing to work with you. Or if that's not an option, I've seen a lot of people taking the situation into their own hands and doing um, some probably less than legal things in order to qualify for an apartment. Like, um, they do, they have people uh, make check stubs for them. Have you heard of that? Not until today. If I know now, you know, I could have been in some nice places. <laughs> and you know, listen, I feel like there's a, I feel like you, when you talk about the morality of it, right? So obviously you're lying, and, you know, in order to get to a number. No. 
sell these co- these what these corporations are suddenly losing their next paycheck because of it they're not <laughs> and here's my thing like when it is the difference of being in a, a warm sheltered environment safe environment and being on the street I'm always going to look the other way. You know what I mean? Like, it just, you cannot hide. Like, the way we approach housing in this country is it's just crazy. You know what I mean? There's a, a total lack of affordable housing. Housing is it's something, it's a necessary point of survival. Like, you need a house to live. You need a house that, you deserve a house that's safe, that's can keep you warm and you know what I mean isn't like a, a bucket of trash like everybody deserves decent housing affordable housing and we that just isn't something that's a priority in this country we really don't care that like we're tr- literally tripping over homeless people like walking mm-hmm. in our cities and I feel like when you have that it, I you know I do what you gotta do you know what I mean <laughs> You talking about morality? What's the morality in not making affordable housing? There, there is none, and exactly. And I feel like once you add it into the conversation, I feel like I, honestly, I listen. I'm like, okay, you know, people, people are like, there are people who sell on the interwebs. There are people who sell check stubs. People who sell um, sell job verification statements. <laughs> and I, listen, I'm just like, hey, you know, yeah, you need some place to live, don't you? Exactly, but no. But I, I found that to, I found that interesting, and I, you know, I feel really fortunate that I've never had to be in the position to make that kind of choice. But I feel like there, we cannot deny that there are people out there. Like sometimes, like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Like I literally need a place to lay my head at night that is a park bench. Yeah. Oh, but see, you can't even do that. The police will make you move, and then where are you supposed to lay your head? That's true. And not every homeless shelter has, like, not every shelter has a uh, space for everybody. That's true. You know? I feel like once you get into, get when you do a deep dive into those issues, people are just continue, continually put in terrible, terrible situations and having to make terrible choices between one horrible thing and another horrible thing. But ch- switching gears slightly, where are we finding these apartments? Where'd you find, how'd you find your apartments? Girl, Google. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to Google. They have like these apartment listing websites. Like I think it's called, like called apartment.com or something like that. But they have like all these listings. And like I said, again, with Florida, it's it's like nothing because you could just start driving down the street. Like, oh, this is the area I want to live in. Let me drive around here and see if I can find any apartments. And then you just walk in. You're going to find 15 in the, the course exactly. of a mile. <laughs> Exactly. Like, that's really what I did a lot of time. I was just driving around. I was like, oh, there are apartments here. Let me go in the leasing office real quick. Yeah. It, and you just take a brochure or whatever, or you, and you get a, a few floor plans with some prices on them. And you're like, boom, done. So that's really all I did. So because I have the the privilege of geographical perspective, I will say that that was really my message too. When I lived in Florida and I was looking for housing is like, I'm going to go on one of these like big websites, apartments.com, whoever else for rent.com, or I'm just, you know, just by, you know, driving around, I'm going to pick one and go see what, see if I like it. But when I got to Boston, I quickly realized that they were like a whole nother set of like channels. I feel like you have to get more creative or, or you have to, 
depending on the location, people are using different things. You know what I mean? Like, in Boston, there's, like, this thing called Zumper, an app called Zumper, and I realized there was, like, a lot of apartments on there. And I was like, see, I didn't even know about this place or about this app, and I'm missing out on so many listings because I didn't know that this was what they, you know, a lot of people are using here. Then, obviously, there's, like, Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. I found, you know, some good apartments on Facebook Marketplace. Oh, Um, true. I've definitely been on there, too. But mostly you find roommates. So, let's talk about the roommate situation. I feel like most people, not, like, most people who live in a city, a big, extensive city like Boston, they have a roommate. There are very few people who can afford to just have a one-bedroom. You know what I mean? That's just not very common. So... You're right. You have to find a roommate. And like a lot of times there are like housing groups on Facebook, you know what I mean? Where people are saying like, hey, and they do this a lot in Tampa too. Cause when I was in college and you'd be looking for a place, there were always people saying, hey, we have an open room in our three, in our three bedroom. Like, are you, you know, we're looking for like this kind of roommate, somebody who's laid back, who doesn't mind pets, you know, et cetera. And usually you can find like good housing in a lot of these like social media groups. Yep. That's how I kind of like, that's how uh, my roommate now, because I used to have my own apartment, but before I had my own apartment, um, I was looking to have a roommate and that's how I found my roommate. I just used Facebook. Um, And if you live near a university, sometimes there'll be like Facebook groups for people who go to that university are looking for roommates. So I think mine was like Facebook, like USF roommate searching. And that's how I was able to find people that were in a similar situation to me. You're like, no, that's a really good point. And I feel like there's always, there's usually, if you're in a big city, there's always a university nearby where you can easily find some of these groups. Oh, yeah. You know, that way you're finding like-minded people. I think that's the hardest part is finding like-minded people because there's so much that goes into finding a compatible roommate. So So much. So quick. So little story time real quick. (laughs) When I lived in off-campus housing um, in sort of like an off-campus student apartment, I had two roommates and I, we got along well. It was fine. You know, we, I didn't have any major issues. Um, And I remember one summer they both decided to go home because they were from other states. Like one, one of my roommates was from California and the other one was in Maryland. And so they both decided to go home for the summer and they decided to sublease their apartments, right? Without telling you? They told me, but it, they didn't like ask me. It basically was like, hey, just so you know, we're not going to be here this summer and we're going to sublet our apartment. Now, mm. And then it was also like an under the table sublet, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't done to like official. Um, it was just kind of like, you know, hey, I know this girl, she's looking for a place, so she's going to stay here. Oh, let's quickly tell them what subletting is in case they don't know. Okay, no, good point. So subletting is when you like rent out an apartment and you basically rent out the apartment that you're renting to someone else. And a lot of times, like depending on where you live or your apartment complex, they'll let you do this, but there's like fees and paperwork and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people would just like sublet under the table so they don't have to go through all of that. Yeah. And that's what my roommates did. And when I tell you, it was a nightmare. <laughs> These two girls were... So frustrating. Really? Girl, it was a mess. So my here you have my two quiet roommates who left me. They had, you know, friends, but they never really had 
too many visitors. They never were up late. They didn't make a lot of noise. So really, they were kind of very good room, A plus roommates. Now, in comes this one girl, right, who had just moved to Tampa. She was terrible. She did not clean up after herself. And there was like some, now mind you, she had just moved here, so she didn't really know too many people. She started like associating with like this riffraff in the complex. <laughs> you said riffraff. Yes, yes. <laughs> riffraff. Like these were people, like, sketch people, people who were really sketchy. And I'm like, and she, she would bring them into the apartment. Like these were her new friends and I'm like so first of all I know you barely know these people because you just moved into town so you you don't know these people really right you have these people in our apartment so obviously I'm worried about like my stuff getting stolen you know what I mean things like that I don't know these people and obviously I didn't know my roommates other friends either but and I hate to sound like sort of classes and elitist but like any of the people they brought around were also in college so I at least knew that like they weren't like they probably weren't going to murder me. I don't know. But yeah, they, they had something to lose. But, yeah, they had something to lose. And these like she wasn't in school. She didn't work. Like these people were didn't go to our school. You know what I mean? So it's like I don't have any connections to these people that would make me feel slightly safer around them with them being yeah. in the, the place where I lay my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I feel that, yeah. <laughs> so I feel like roommates, it could be it could be great or it could be a nightmare. You know, you just you just don't know. Oh, don't think that staying with a friend is gonna suddenly make it better because it doesn't. You have to pick the right friends for that. That's true. Uh, I when I first moved off campus, um, I was I'm just gonna say it, I was a terrible roommate, Brianna. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was a horrible roommate, mostly because like you know, I don't know. I was just so excited to not have to do anything anymore that I didn't want to do. And then also I was like really depressed. So, you know, when you're like depressed, you're very messy. You don't pick up after yourself at all. You don't do anything extra, you know. And then I was always having people over. Um, my TV was always up loud, you know, like I'll be borrowing people's stuff. Like I was such a bad roommate and I thought that because I was saying with a friend it was fine it was not fine we are not friends anymore and that's really my fault and I own that you know um sometimes reflective yeah sometimes like and it it was technically like still student housing but it was like off-campus apartments with other students um so everyone had like individual leases so at least they were never like impacted by me financially not that I couldn't pay rent like I could but I'm just like if I had added that on there and then I wasn't able to meet that demand as well like that would have just made it even worse so I'm very fortunate that Right now I have a roommate and it's my, you know, one of my best friends and we have very similar living styles. And, you know, she called me out on my stuff every now and then whenever I'm messing up, you know, and I think that we're able to kind of like balance that dynamic a little bit better. So you have to know which friends you can live with. That's such a good point. I feel like you have to like vet roommates like you're like they're going into the CIA or something, because like once you are stuck in that situation, especially if you have a lease that you can't get out of, good luck to you. It's so frustrating. So let's jump into my apartment searching spreadsheet masterpiece. Let me tell you how I approach apartment searching. Are you ready? Yep. So I create a spreadsheet 
and it's very detailed okay and this is gonna show just how anal i am but it really helps because if you're like looking at a bunch of apartments after a while they literally just start to like run together in your head and that and then after a while you can't remember which one had the nice closet which one had the extra parking like and you forget you know what i mean so you have to stay organized so that's why when i am apartment searching i create a spreadsheet and every apartment i see I like, I write down the name of the apartment, the location. I write down if they were having any specials. I know like certain people can't relate to that, but like in Florida, a lot of time with the complex, they'll be running like move-in specials, like, oh, move-in for nothing at all. You know what I mean? Or yeah, things like that. So if they had any specials, I write down like who I talked to when I went to see it. I like put any pictures that I took of that apartment in the spreadsheet. And I know some of you guys are like, that's too much. I'm not doing all that. But I feel like you do. You have to figure out a way to remember each apartment. And then I'll write down like the pros, the cons, things that I like, things that I maybe didn't like. And I do that for every single apartment. So then that way, when if I've seen 20 apartments, I'm making sure that I'm comparing apples to apples and oranges to oranges. You know what I mean? I'm not mixing up the apartments and thinking, oh, that was the one that I wanted because that one had, you know, the nice gym. And then I, I move in. And I'm like, oh, that was actually the one down the street. Oh, I see what you mean. And you got to keep track of who has wash machines and dryers, who has the hookups and who has nothing. Yes, that's, a- that's another. Yeah, that's a, and if that's a, like if that's important to you, you need to make that a column in your spreadsheet. That, that was super important to me because I hate going to the laundromat. Me, I, I just don't do I don't do the laundromat. In Boston, a lot of the apartments don't have washer and dryers. L- let me tell you, we bought a portable washing machine and a portable dryer to put in our apartment that's how much i don't do laundry beds so, <laughs> so literally things like that like have to go on my spreadsheet because if you say no you don't have washer and dryer then you're automatically getting you know x off the list can i help you same thing with the gym the gym isn't important to me but like the gym is really important to michael so if you don't have a good gym like look already getting put off the list you know what i mean so like yeah. you have to you have to determine your criteria what's a negotiable what's a non-negotiable and then you have to like find a way to notate what apartments had what so you remember you know what I mean because I promise you after five apartments you're not going to remember which one had the you know this or which one had that another thing I feel like sometimes there are things that are harder to 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 see during a tour to know before you move in but they're worth doing like talking to the neighbors and trying to meet the neighbors before you accept an apartment because like what if you have the neighbor from hell true or another thing is like water pressure I would like I would literally like say can I I would ask like if at all possible can I see a, a apartment that has a water turn on so that you can test the water pressure because living in an apartment with horrible water pressure that that for me is next level if the water pressure is bad and if the water doesn't get like scalding hot from our showers I'm like oh, <laughs> oh my god like uh, I gotta move you gotta get out of there this ain't the one you can't do yeah. it for me do you, you have, have to yeah you, you have to things like that where you're like no it has to be like this um I think for me really the most important thing is having if not the washing machine and dryer then the hookups for one because I do also hate going to the laundromat I think it's very frustrating and I'm also afraid that I'm gonna mess around and just forget clothes by accident and be Mm. like oh I thought I had this and now I don't have that shirt anymore um another important thing hmm. oh yes this gets me every time I don't know why Florida is like this first of all First of all, y'all know how hot it is to get some Florida. 
how come none of your rooms include fans automatically? When I'm looking for apartments and I go into the bedroom, there is no fan, nor is there an overlight. There is no light overlight. There's not even a fixture for overlight yeah. in my room right now. Yeah. And that makes me so mad. It's so hard to find <laughs> apartments that have that, that already have just a light and a fan in the bedroom. You know wow. better than this. Yes. <laughs> I, I literally am like, why do I have to buy a lamp or else I'm in complete and total darkness? The the apartment, yes, I, I, listen, I knew exactly what you mean. So I don't know why a lot of apartments don't have lights in the bedroom. I don't know what that's about. I feel like, yeah, you have to be really specific about your criteria ahead of time before you start searching because it's going to make your search that much easier. Like that way you can get places off your list that much faster because you're like, mm, it doesn't meet my, all of my criteria. You know what I mean? And then you have to be reasonable too about what's, what your budget will allow for. But what makes me mad with Florida is that everything's a luxury. Everything's a luxury. So yeah, you can find apartments maybe a little easier. But as I was saying in the beginning, they're not quality apartment. What I pay for this apartment, for the money I pay for this apartment, I need a light and a fan in my room. <laughs> for the money, for the money I pay for this apartment, it should have already came with a washing machine and dryer. I shouldn't even had to buy one. It should have already been in there. That's how I feel. Because if you talk about getting overhand light in your rooms with the fan, that already upgrades it to a luxury apartment. And now instead of paying like, so I think me and my roommate we pay like to combined like thirteen hundred for our apartment, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to get lights and a fan and with the washing machine and dryer in unit, you're already talking like fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars right there for that two bedroom apartment. Listen, and you know, I just have to take your word for it because I've been out the the, the Florida rental game for a, a few years at least now. So I have no clue what things are going for now. I just know that it's it's ridiculous because the wages in Florida have not moved. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Since, exactly. I, since I, I moved there in 2013, like nothing has changed. So that actually brings me to like, I feel like one last really important tip for me is that a lot of times, like especially in Florida, um, when you have an, uh, go to an apartment complex, they show you a model. So they show you the nicest, most beautifully decorated apartment. They're like, these are what our apartments look like. I feel like before you sign your lease, you should see what your actual unit looks like. And some apartments will do this with you and others won't, but you should do it yourself if they don't do this. When you move into to your unit before you like accept the keys and make everything official you need to have a checklist and write down everything that's wrong with that apartment this is broken this was broken this is loose this is falling off because at the end of the day when you decide to move out they're going to try to charge you and say you broke those things even if it was broken when they gave it to you so make photos and that you do a checklist of everything that's wrong and you give it to the office and you say listen put this on record that these were a problem or put it in writing in an email to the office these things are a problem and this is my first day here so i did not i'm not responsible for these things so then when you move out and they try to say oh look that thing is hanging off we're going to charge you 50 dollars, 100 dollars for that be like nope try it again exactly or better yet make them do repairs while you're still in the apartment if you see something wrong call them immediately absolutely like, hey, what's going on with this fix this <laughs> because if you call them while you still live there they're gonna fix it regardless with no added charge to you yeah most times that's the case you're absolutely right so yeah definitely but this is a good episode did you have anything else before we end um other than you know florida needs to raise their wages or i'm just gonna have to buy a house but i really i don't know if i'm ready to buy a house yet 
So I guess I'll just be here. <laughs> we'll do a future episode on home ownership. And I can tell I can tell my horror story. <laughs> yes, please. Let us know. Let us know. This is good, though. Yeah. Well, bye, guys. <laughs> bye. Unfortunately, after Trinisha and I recorded this episode, DMX passed away. It's so heartbreaking to have to go back and add this clip to the end of the episode because we were obviously hoping for a different outcome. He meant so much to the hip hop community, and I've been touched to see the tributes and the dedications to him since his passing. This obviously sucks so hard, um, but rest in peace, DMX. And, you know, we send our condolences to his family, his friends and his fans.